worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well we've devised a test to put the rest your peers There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show then you're probably a nerd Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things geek, all things everything. We talk about all things video games. We talk about all things comic books. We talk about all things movies, Lego, everything here on the It's Canon Podcast. And the best part of it all is, is that it is, in fact, in canon we are your hosts, I'm Boris, and I am joined with Phil. Hey everybody, how you doing out there? Hope you are well, because, uh, yeah, I'm doing alright today. Awesome. Great to hear, man. Great to hear. We have made it. We're in November. It's the home stretch. The home stretch of this year. And what a f- year it's been. Yeah. Isn't it, though? Yep, and uh, it just seems to be really a lot of 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 tension and worry in the world in this little home stretch. And uh, I hope all this passes well when we just get on to a more regular timeline in twenty twenty one. Yep. Thing is, unfortunately, you know everything that's happening in the world doesn't know that the year is ending. So, but hopefully, you know. We can, we can look forward to the future and hopefully getting back to, you know, somewhat normalcy. All right, so today we're going to be talking mainly video games. There's been a lot of video game news, a little bit in terms of TV, mainly video games, some movie news. But before we jump in there, Phil... Outside of the obvious of what you watch on Friday, what else have you been watching this week? I've been looking a lot at um, catching up with Brave New World, uh, staying on that one. Yeah. Yeah, I got to start that. Um, yeah. I've been meaning to. It's 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 a show that uh, you know, you've spoken highly of. So, I might as well... Uh, Jump well, on that train. It's entertainment. It, it's 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 that interesting spot right now that most of the series that I was watching have just come to their conclusion. Yeah, and you're left with picking that up up here. It's uh, I guess it originally aired, or I don't know what the release schedule is like in the states on Peacock, but we're getting it up here on our showcase, and um, it's 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 been satisfying. It's not the greatest show in the world. It, it just seems to fit with 2020 for me. It just hits that spot. Yep, exactly. That's what a lot of shows have kind of been with, like with me. That 
I'm watching it for the sake of watching it to pass time, um, not so much to, you know, because I want to, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's tough out there for everybody, right? It, it's, you know, for us, we have our obvious um, chase points to support the show. And sometimes we vary from that, you know, like I've been watching some Apple TV plus stuff. I've been, you know, rewatching the Ted Lasso stuff and the, the new, uh, Scorsese film with Bill Murray and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's been interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be a little more varied with, with my viewing and listening pleasures. I just finished mud 79, uh, of issue zero podcast for, you know, obvious reasons again, but that was a pure enjoyment thing for me. Yeah. And I'm super looking forward to tomorrow when we do have our conversation with fearless Fred, Fred Kennedy. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. Um, what else is going on in the world of Boris? Um, you know, I've kind of been really busy this week. Um, you know, work's been keeping me busy this this week for the most part. I had a virtual conference. Um, and I think, like, you know, my Wednesday night now is dedicated to watching NXT Wrestling. Because on Thursday mornings, I will be recording, you know, the, the other podcast, Talk NXT, NXT Talk. Um, and that one. So, over the next few weeks, we're going to be posting on Thursdays the episodes of NXT Talk on this channel. Um, but if it does get picked up by the Sunday Night's Main Event Radio channel, then I'm going to have to keep it exclusive out there. Uh, but for the next few weeks, between, you know, until I find out what the next step is, uh, it will be up on our channel every Thursday morning. Um, and so that's, a, you know, an added show now for our awesome listeners. And for those of you who are interested in the world of pro wrestling so more content um is great also starting tomorrow monday and every monday until the end of the season we are going to be ex uh, releasing a special and every week we're going to be chatting all things mandalorian yeah it's it's <clears throat> it's it's i think um i saw some stuff on the internet and it, it seems like every monday star wars is po po positioning itself to have these mandalorian mondays where it's a lot of merch and 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 talk about the show to build up and support the hype which is you know well founded and whatnot but the decision here and by the community at, by large is that mondays is when we can talk spoilers like not i'm i don't think like Talking spoilers means you're going to tweet out something that might ruin it for somebody or something like that. But we're definitely going to be doing a spoiler-heavy review of the the Friday's episode. Yep. So it gives so, everyone the weekend. Times. Yeah, it gives everyone the weekend to watch it. Gives us the opportunity to watch it more than once if we have to. But every Monday we're going to be having a new guest on um, to discuss Mandalorian. So. I'm opening this up to listeners as well. If you do want to come on the show to talk Mandalorian episode X on that given week, 
let us know and we'll reach out we'll discuss and we'll try to get you on the show phil who did we have tomorrow all right tomorrow we have a very exciting guest um his name is carl milroy he is basically running a microbrewery in the gta uh called red thread brewing and uh you can go to rtbrewing.ca check out their website check out where the products which lcbos they're sold at um, and he's a big Star Wars nerd. You know, I, I've known that about Carl uh, since day one, since uh, uh, we've been friends. And um, it's just really nice to have that viewpoint and have that chat and to support our local businesses here in the GTA during this pandemic. And yeah, good people. And uh, yeah, give us a listen and, uh, you know, order up uh, some Red X Ale. Yeah. Have some fun. Yeah. All right, so I think big news of this week was in Microsoft land, and that is that Halo has lost another top director after the project was delayed. So turbulence continues at Microsoft in regards to Halo. Um, you know, 343 Industries has just not been able to get this uh, franchise right. So Chris Lee, who oversaw production, uh, which is which 343 is developing the game for Microsoft, is no longer working on it. Uh, this was confirmed by him to Bloomberg News on Wednesday. Um, this is already the second top director to leave the project in the past two years. Wow. There's that's that. Well, this is certainly going to help our Google search. Like, oh, three four three. Like, you just got to wonder because apparently this guy quit because of the poor reaction or something to the trailer, or maybe that was another one of the many re resignations since that trailer has dropped and before it really. But you gotta, you gotta really wonder about, you know what's going on at 343 this project you know this week they also kind of slid in there that there's going to be microtransactions yeah in the halo free to play end of things i i just think that this sounds like it's becoming a trash heap of a game and people are exiting before it gets stuck to them for the rest of their careers yeah uh, because it sounds like it's really ambitious it sounds like it's going to try to be this free-to-play. It sounds like it's going to try and monetize through its AAA status. It it just sounds really misdirected in the marketplace. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. I really hope I'm wrong and that this is a, a really good and polished game that we can all enjoy. Goodness knows it's been so long since we've had Halo. Even bad Halo. You know, bad Halo can be good Halo in its own way. You just got to find that nugget in there. And... Yeah, it just doesn't look right. There's something rotten in there. Yeah, I don't know if it's the the core project and the way that they're imagining it, and it's not, you know, translating well from yep. that image in their head to the actual product. Yeah, but there's a lot of challenges in there. Yeah, so you know, Chris Lee, unfortunately, after the um, trailer it, back in August. Uh, and the poor fan reception and subsequent um, announcements of delays, uh, his role was significantly reduced. 
Um, then Microsoft brought in a Halo veteran, Joe uh, Staten, to lead the single-player campaign. And then another senior executive, uh, Pierre Hintz, to run multiplayer. So, you know, this this exit was pretty much, you know, going to happen eventually. Um, sounds like his roles and responsibilities were minimal at best uh, since August. And now they have two new people one working on single player and the other working to on the multiplayer. Yeah, and you know, we've heard that that discussion that apparently happened behind the closed doors where they even thought to roll out the multiplayer as a separate component and and try to focus on getting the single player game ready for the actual targeted ship date this November to go alongside and it's even to the point where you know the 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 retail boxes are out in the wild now and they're heavily branded with the halo marketing so if you go out and you buy series x on the back is all master chief yeah you know it's it's kind of it's such a missed opportunity that microsoft went all in on and I can't imagine that 343 is very, very highly regarded in that executive boardroom at Microsoft or by its shareholders where, you know, the the amount, the commitment that was made by so many different departments to really brand everything and identify with it and then to have it move. I know ultimately it's the right decision by 343 and it's a tough, tough thing to do missing your date. But when you have a console launching on it, it it really is a big deal. Yeah. And that's the thing. You know, we talked about this back in August that, you know, at the end of the day, video game delays are okay as long as we get a good, you know, final game, final product. However, the way that Microsoft was going on about it, um, you know, and, and, and Halo being Halo. You know, Halo is essentially the Mario of Microsoft. They need that AAA title that, you know, will get a ton of people buying that system day one. Um, And unfortunately, you know, their plans had to change majorly. But, you know, because of timing and everything, they're still promoting a lot of Halo Infinite products. Uh, You're going to see Halo Infinite all over Xbox Series X stuff. Um, so it's just unfortunate, right? Like in the grand, in the grand scheme of things for, uh, Microsoft to kind of have this issue. Yeah. And we're talking across multiple vendors too, right? Like they were going to brand with energy drinks. They were going to brand with, you know, Doritos and things like that. They were aggressively going after codes and, and, and getting the buy-in from customers from multiple angles. Yeah. And all that stuff goes forward because the production's done. Like the it, it's shipped. Yeah. And they can't redact it. And they knew that back in August. Like like these the product cycles are just so monumental in order to uh, maintain their presence in the marketplace during Christmas time during a pandemic. You know, it's it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And Microsoft are wearing egg on their face on many fronts, where three four three is because it just hurts them on all of these relationships because now you know there's going to be a lot of trepidation on behalf of vendors in this cross promotion where they're going to say 
oh man, am I going to have to print up, you know, 15 million bags of potato chips or snacks and, and produce these codes and go through the logistics and the headache of just getting these things to market only to have it not be an aid in sales and maybe even a joke. You know, now Doritos are branded a failure. Now it will be successful, but that product won't be relevant anymore to its success. Yeah, no, it's pretty bad. <laughs> it is pretty, pretty bad. But <laughs> it, it's funny because I don't think I don't think as fans we think about the implications of it at all. No, and then when you start doing that deeper analysis and you start looking at all these different cogs, like that's the only thing I want to bring about to everyone, no, to all of our listeners, is just the depth of reach all of this has, and it's it's massive. It's just massive. Yeah, and we're seeing this with another product, another title for you know multiple systems, but because it's not the. Um, you know uh, the a launch title because it's not really uh you know a franchise that a system is built around you know cyberpunk 2077 has had a bit of a free pass for the most part um but you know it's just the unfortunate news is that it's halo versus you know another random game right Speaking, yeah, the cyberpunk delay. Yeah, we should we should speak about it. Yeah. So speaking of cyberpunk 2077, it was supposed to come out what November 10th, something like that. Mm-hmm. Early November. Something really close to the, the yep. console. Early November, yeah. and then earlier this week, we found out that it has been delayed until December 10th. Um, it was announced, you know, Tuesday. So, another delay, yeah. delay, delay, delay. Yeah, it, it, it was announced by a tweet. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because the marketing department had, somebody had asked the marketing department over Twitter, or, you know, the cyberpunk brand, like, hey, look, I'm going to book some time off from my place of employment just to play this game. Are you for sure guaranteeing me that this thing's going to release on, on the street date? And they go, yes, guaranteed. And then the next day, they make the announcement. That it's 21 days later now. Yeah, not only that, uh, but apparently... Yeah, it's tough, know, man. I, I get it. Yeah, apparently this was announced over Twitter before they announced it to the actual developers. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so you have everybody having to deal with this in a panic situation, you've just announced to the world that there's going to be 21 more days of crunch. Yeah. And you have to deal with the potential outcry of employees going, well, this game never end. Like as far as the development cycle that we've been on since 2012, right? Like the, the crunch story continues to evolve where we're finally getting some of those gory details from some people and may not be uniformly shared. I understand that, but there are some employees that are reporting that they're putting in over a hundred hours a week, you know, to make sure that all this stuff gets taken care of. And the funny thing about the announcement about the delay was that 
it was really left wide open to delay it again, obviously. Yeah. And they're basically citing the fact that they have to develop for nine different platforms, you know, like like the Xbox One X, the Xbox uh, Series X, the Xbox Series S, the Xbox One S, <laughs> like, you know, PS4, PS5. They, they just PC... But the thing that bothers me about that when they go through and they, they, they cry foul on the fact that there's all these standardized pieces of equipment that they've known about for months because they've had developers kits through the whole progression is the fact that, you know, PCs have a myriad of different components and they basically have to stake a claim as to you need this as minimum to run the game in any usable fashion. These are standardized boxes that are out there. And to me, it, it's just like, you know, the rumor mill is, is that it's not running well on the last generation of games, which should be something that they really developed hard for. Yeah. Because I can tell you, it's going to take years for the PS5 to even get anywhere close to the PS4's numbers. So that's a massive install base to be selling through. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to to get that game going on that system and well. And I, I can't believe for a minute that that wasn't a massive priority. And now they're acting like, well, you know, it, it, it just runs like crap. Like, really? Yeah. That's <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, there's lots that I'm worried about. Right. With this. I, I, there's a lot. Yeah. It is a lot to unpack. Um, you know, you can also say that, you know, CD Projekt Red kind of did this to themselves by wanting to uh, develop for so many platforms. You know, they could have spaced it out more. Their PS5 versions could have come down later after the fact. Um, you know, it's kind of it's 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 a little it's a bit of a weak excuse, in my opinion. Yeah, it, and it doesn't hold any water. Like, it, it really looks like they're just trying to placate the rage, yeah. right? And and this brings up a whole other aspect that I've seen out there where people at CD Projekt are reporting that they've had death threats. And speaking to, I know this is a subject that Boris and I are particularly sensitive about, I would take this platform on the nerd stage and just say, hey, look, everybody out there that's rage tweeting or making these proclamations, please just remember it's a video game. It's these people's jobs and lives to make it. They're trying to get it out for your enjoyment. They're trying to have some integrity about it. Yeah. So don't do the personal stuff. You may think it's funny, but it's a, it's a crime. Yeah. You're committing a crime by doing that stuff. So shake your head, relax, reread that tweet before you post it. Yeah. All right. Well said. Very true. People just need to be a little more chill about things. Yeah. It's a human being that's reading that. And that, that's the part that I think the, it, it's this idea that these corporations are just massive corporations with no soul and no people. They're just conglomerations that, want to bulldoze everyone's life and continue the suffering and the absolute shit show that 2020 has been. Yeah. 
And it's not that way. It's these are real people facing real challenges, the same as you, right? They're lucky they have a job, yeah. but they have to do all the stuff with social distancing and figuring out distribution and production with those challenges and other people's safety in mind. Yeah. So cut them a break. I'm bummed about it too. But at the end of the day, it's a video game. I'll just play another video game in my spare time. And when this one comes out, I will enjoy it immensely. Yeah. But exactly. until we get there, there's not much that any of us can do. So we're all in the same crap sandwich. Yeah. And yeah, let's, let's look out for one another instead of going after one another. Yeah. Exactly. And there were more delays. I needed to get that off my chest. No, that's very important. Um, there have been more delays. This time on the Ubisoft front, Ubisoft has pushed two of its biggest games, Far Cry 6 and Rainbow Six Quarantine, out of the current fiscal year and into fiscal year 2021-2022. Essentially, this means that we're not going to see these games um, before April. So... More delays. Yeah, that's okay. Yep. You know, Far Cry is a fun franchise. I didn't play the last one because it's it has this creepy tone to it that I, I I hover over it when it's cheap, but I've never pulled the trigger on it. it those are definitely titles to me that I I would pick up on a sale, on a deep sale, which you know brings me to probably suggesting. Uh, a story here and that is this week we did have uh, Ubisoft launch a title in Watchdog Legions and I know Tyler unfortunately he had other commitments and couldn't be here on the episode today he has given it some some seemingly good feedback to us so I'll, I'll definitely leave the analysis and breakdown for him but it's another one of these deep sales for me, like maybe Black Friday sale or something like that. I'll see a digital copy for, you know, percentage off because Ubisoft, if we all didn't know, are in a difficult situation because they some of their titles have really missed the mark financially and they need to hit the marks on the titles that are out there. So this is a little bit of a significant push on those titles, but you know, they are launching with Valhalla, Assassin's Creed, the new one. And they've got this Watchdog Legions. So hopefully this um, gets them back in the good good zone money-wise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and we got to look at all that. Like, the reason why all those factoids and, and boardroom decisions are important is because it impacts their perception and priority on the gaming stuff. And I think that's part of the story that we all want to understand a little bit better. When these decisions get made, we often go, why? And instead of having that rage reaction, it's like, oh, well, it's because, you know, all their hand, all hands on deck facing the same problems that, that CD Projekt Red are facing with multiple systems developing for and trying to launch a game on so many different platforms, threading a needle for Christmas, for the holiday season. And trying to get all that revenue and basically make sure that you got a roof over your head for your company, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, it's going to be a very difficult time, I think, over the next year for companies, obviously, um, regardless of, you know, 
things have changed so much for companies, um, you know, and, and, and because of release schedules and whatnot, you know, we've all kind of um, have to reevaluate things. So we'll see what happens with a lot of these video game companies. But, you know, if you can support them, support them. If you can support these video games, buying them from mom and pa shops, you know, that's the ideal approach. But, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see. It's going to be an interesting year, I think. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more delays um, as video game studios are still trying to figure out, you know, how they're working. Um, so, you know, whether they have employees in the office or not, um, you know, if you're a company that is not used to having a lot of telecommuters, um, it can be quite the change, you know, so we'll see. I, I foresee a lot more delays for video games in the next year and a half or so. Yeah, and, and that's okay, right? Because the industry is obviously going to thrive in this mm-hmm. environment. Like people are yep. going to consume the games because they are at home. They are trying to socially distance. They are trying to manage their happiness through these outlets. And the sky is only blue once once these video game companies work through these issues. Yeah. The industry that we're all worried about is like the movie industry as far as big screen goes, right? Because with no end in sight to the pandemic and the challenges and constantly learning about how this virus thing is working and moving. I don't see a lot of happiness out of the theater business per se. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then that's a whole other topic, right? Like, you know, well, yeah, we'll touch that one when we see more concrete news. But one story that we didn't talk about last week that, you know, I guess since you brought it up, we can. And that's that AMC is um, kind of uh, on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, You know, they claim that they may not be able to keep afloat by the end of the year if things go and continue the way that they are um so you know it's it's just that grim reminder that you know we're in this situation and we just don't know which businesses will be able to strive but when your entire business is um you know involves a getting as many people packed into a room into a not well ventilated room with a big screen and there's a lot of turnover of people. Well, you know, unfortunately, in today's climate, you're gonna not strive. You're gonna, you're gonna have a bad day, to say the least. Yeah, it's. it's I foresee, <clears throat> unfortunately, and I hope this isn't true. I foresee a lot of industry trying to wait this out and go into debt or or financial distress in an effort to hope that it passes and i think by this christmas like start of 2021 we may see a lot of businesses closing for good on on bigger levels like more than the mom and pa shops which is extremely heartbreaking and tragic and yeah i just foresee certain chains or massive corporations like this amc theater situation even cineplex here in canada i don't know how well they can survive at the levels that they're having to operate at and it's not their fault it you know no one saw this coming 
as far as how long it would be here, uh, you know, just the impact that it w- it's going to have on industry and business. Yep. But it's completely, for me as a consumer, changed how I consume stuff. You know, I, I'm, I'm obviously streaming stuff. I'm obviously, you know, choosing Amazon in a lot of cases, not because I want to really uh, do anything other than just not go out, like just to comply with what the everyone's asking us to do and be socially distant and m- minimize how many people we're coming in contact with. So it's all, uh, it's all part of it in 2020. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, it's going to be weird. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right. Um, to some TV news, and this is out of the rumor mill. So Oscar Isaac right now is in talks to star as the Moon Knight in the Disney Plus series. <laughs> now, here's... I'm going to have to ask this because the Marvel universe is so vast Boris. Yeah. I know. I know that you can school me on a lot of stuff. Now I didn't know what the heck a guardians of the galaxy was and I saw it and I loved it, but what the heck is a moon Knight? Moon Knight is a series. Um, so he's essentially a rogue. Um, typically batshit crazy, but is a hero nonetheless. Okay. Is it space? Nope. Is it on earth? It's on earth. It's on earth. It's one. No, it's not in space or it's on earth. Okay. It's on earth. 100% on earth. All right. Well, you know, he, he's kind of like the Batman. Well, it's Oscar Isaac. Yeah, he's kind of oh, like okay. the Batman. He's there's there's a lot of similarities between the two. They're both millionaire entrepreneurs. They use their wealth to pay for their equipment. Um, they have their alter ego. They are expert detectives. Similar gadgets. He uses boomerangs and whatnot, all shaped like moons. Um, but you know, the fact is that Moon Knight uses multiple identities, um, and he does kind of have superpowers. Um, but you know, he's, he's, he's for the most part, um, you know, kind of detective, rogue, um, you know, hunts at the, in the night and, uh, yeah. All right. Well, sign me up. I'm curious to know, you know, I trust very much in terms of what Disney and Marvel are capable of with these, with these not as well-known franchises mm-hmm. for me anyway for a casual fan so oscar isaac is a great name a great actor i enjoy everything he's in yeah uh i do think that he adds a lot even to movies that aren't very good he adds a lot to them um yeah you know like one of my favorite movies is ex machina yeah and he plays a pretty big role in that and i i just think that that you know, he, he lends a little bit of gravity to it, his performance and, and his character, and obviously from Star Wars and everything like that. It's a good move by Disney. You yeah. know, there's a lot of stuff, a lot of rumors out there, names and stuff, and hopefully this one uh, comes true. Yep. 
So that's an interesting one. Um, what else? Was I have one. one. Yes. I have one if you want. Of course. The Snyder Cut. Yeah. Now, apparently, uh, Jared Leto, right, that we talked about, I believe, reprising his role as a Joker, but it asks the question, if he only committed to reshoots, yep. is it a reshoot? No, and this is... I, this is new photography. I've They're been, just calling it reshoots for some reason. Yeah, because that's weird. Because I asked some fans out there, some pro Snyder and some anti Snyder fans on the internet, and I got some interesting responses about that. Because it's like, yeah, well, if you're telling me everything's in the can, and then you're telling me that they're setting up these shots, yeah. and it just sounds like this wasn't in the can. It doesn't sound like they're reshooting something because it was unusable or they wanted to change the tone of a line or something to fit the scene better. This sounds like, I don't think Jared Leto was ever in a position of being in this movie. And now they're like, wow, we, we, we have content to fill. Like we have hours yeah. in this HBO endeavor. We, we need some some jazz on this episode. Oh, Jared Leto playing the Joker. Well, that, you know, that, that eliminates two problems for them. Gets people yeah. interested in seeing it. And it shuts Jared Leto up a little bit about his overwhelming complaint about not being considered the main Joker for DC, right? Like yeah. this, this branches that out and quells his ego a little bit. Yep. Yeah. yeah. But it know, makes man. you wonder about what else they're shooting. Yeah, that's the thing at this point, you know, and I think it's partially unfortunate. I think the fact that this movie is not in canon, um, but, you know, knowing that Flashpoint is happening, knowing what Flashpoint is about, um, and for those of you who don't remember or who don't know, um, you know, Flashpoint in the comic books, the Flashpoint Paradox is essentially when the Flash traveled um, back in time to save his mom and everything was altered in the DC universe. Um, long story short, this is where the new 52 was created. New continuities and new timelines for all of their characters. Uh, back in 2011, all of this happened. So, you know, the fact that in the Flash movie, with it being Flashpoint, with rumors of... People who used to portray Batman coming back with rumors of, you know, multiple movies finally being greenlit with HBO Max series being greenlit. Um, there's a lot of rumors that, you know, they're essentially going to redo the DC extended universe um, and kind of do a refresh of sorts with The Flash. So, yeah, so they, my point, they could... Yeah, my point is that this could easily become canon, or parts of it can easily yeah. become canon. Yeah, that's where I was going to go. I'm, I'm saying, like, they can make a statement now and say that this isn't canon, the Schneider Cut. They can see the fan reaction, and then they can play up to it, or they can disavow it and continue to disavow it. So if people love it, it's probably it, it can be canonized. If people hate it, 
it can remain in the the forever dustbin of HBO Max and go, well, there's a nice oddity yep. for you DC fans who really wanted to see it. Exactly. So it's multiple plays here, and it it's it's I I think it's good in the sense that it's going to give DC the ability to play in a bigger sandbox with the properties and take more chances, which I think they really need to do instead of trying to executive boardroom manage a film and think that they've got a success and then find out that there's all these huge holes and they're disappointing the dedicated DC fans that are out there watching it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's sidestepping that, that rage, I guess. In a Which way. is good. They need to. They need to have that monkey off their back, right? Like yeah. they need to have the freedom, yeah, to go for it and just, to let their creative people do creative. it. I just don't understand how DC. I don't think we've ever talked about this. It's the fact that DC creates some amazing animated movies. Um, you know, there's some of the best superhero movies out there. Um, they've even been been able to create a universe out of this. Um, I just don't understand how the same people who can make some amazing animated movies can't figure out what to do with their live action ones. It just goes to show me that DC never had a proper plan. DC was just trying to copy and mimic what Marvel was doing. Um, and really, you know, if they had stuck to their own guns and done their own things, I'm sure, 100% sure that, um, you know, they would have figured out their movies and we would not be in this situation where we're having to literally redo movies. Well, I would say in particular with the animation side, they are way more risk tolerant. And I think that's what makes it a success. And when it comes to their major movies, they're risk adverse. Yeah. And that's to their detriment, right? Because it's not satisfying the fans. Whereas the cartoons or the animation allows them to take chances. Same as comic books, right? Mm -hmm. You're allowed to try out something. And if it breaks down and fails, you know relatively quickly because you can watch the sales numbers decline. You, you have major key indicators on the trajectory of that story arc or idea, and then you can course correct based off of that feedback or abandon. And it's the same thing with the animation. If it's low cost or low risk for the, the studio, they're going to accept that risk of it being a little more experimental or a little more geared towards fan uh, service yeah. away, in a way. Yeah, And I think with the big movies, they're trying to capture that same thing that Marvel's done in getting the casual fan. You know, the, the, the normal people who don't really walk around thinking about, you know, who can pick up Thor's hammer or not, you know, or, or whatever. Like the, the deeper nerd musings that we all get into with multiverses and, and, and the likes. And it's just a matter of getting that, that fan because they want your money. Like yeah. that's the bottom line. And then they overmanage that production to the point where it's just not appealing to the, the people who actually the core audience. You have to have trust that what all the DC fans have supported for years now is what other people are going to appreciate as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that it diminishes the movies 
when they don't embrace those values. Yep. Right? And that's kind of the, the line that Marvel struck where they're giving the stories to the fans that have supported the stories and they're making it accessible to the people who have never seen them before. Yeah. They're walking that line and trying to get that mix right. Yeah, you're right. And I know there's I know there's lots of Marvel fans that are probably deeply upset with a lot of the stuff they see, but the fact is is that the success means that there's going to be more and more and more changes that possibly will yield in repairing some of what they have grievances with. Yeah. So Yeah, I I didn't mean to break it down like that, but it just kind of came on me where it's like, oh man, I think I just had this clear vision today of where DC is is kind of missed the mark on all mm-hmm. this. Yep. That's you summed it up really well. Somewhere where DC also doesn't miss the mark, like their animated movies, and that's in the CW and all of their CW shows. Whether you like them, whether you don't watch them, whether regardless of how you feel about them, you know, the CW properties have done well for the most part. Um, and we're starting to see all of the premiere dates for winter 2021. Uh, so Batwoman will be the first Arrowverse or the CWverse show to make its return with season two's premiere scheduled for Sunday, January 17th at 8 p.m. So that's that. Um, Black Lightning season four will debut Monday, February 8th at 9 p.m. The Flash season seven and Superman and Lois Season 1 will then follow on Tuesday, February 23rd at 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. respectively. Wow. Um, Supergirl Season 6, nor DC's Legends of Tomorrow Season 6 are included right now in this lineup, um, as both of these are likely being saved as mid-season replacements. Uh, I guess we should also say not in the CW-verse. Um, Riverdale Season 5 and Nancy Drew Season 2 uh, are re-debuting Wednesday, January 20th. That's a really packed schedule. Yep. Good good for them. Yep. And, we're know, and st- again, it, it it flows to me that it's the same thing. They're willing to take more of a chance in that, in that zone because it's aimed at a different audience a little bit. Yeah. And it's still accessible by all the audiences, but they're more risk tolerant on that. They're we're, they're willing to take a chance and try out different visions and different directors and different ideas from the comics to become something else. Yeah, and good. You know, it's not necessarily the place that I go first for content, but I think that it's smart content yep. for them. It's out there. You know, it's better than making movies right now. Yeah, right now, movies is the one domain you probably want to avoid because, you know, a lot of movies are just in flux right now. Earlier this week, uh, Tomb Raider 2 was reported to being indefinitely delayed. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Like It was supposed to come even, out March... Even if they get the production. Sorry? It was supposed to come out March 2021. Um, but because of COVID-19, they never were actually able to start production. Um, and because of that, because of timing, we know that it just won't be able to happen for March 2021 now. But, you know, and without a production starting in, um, on the books, 
there's no way that we can um, estimate or guess when the movie will be ready. So I see it more as just delayed because we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow as opposed to delayed because, you know, it's going into production hell. Having said that, now I guess it would be in production hell. Um, I, I guess that now, you know, are the actors still going to be free to film this? Are the, you know, people and the, the you know, directors and, 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 and on set people, will they have the schedule to film this? So, you know, I think it leads to some more questions. Oh, for sure. Like the fact that it didn't go into production really just tells us everything that we need to know. Um, but maybe they go back to the drawing board and when they actually get the ability to start rolling it, rolling on it. Yeah. And if they don't have certain characters or actors available, then rewrite certain, it's a great property to mine from. And they're doing a lot of mining from the latest releases of the video games. And yeah, it, I, I have confidence that whatever they do, <clears throat> it's probably going to do well, but the first one missed the mark for me. So I'm not heavily invested in it. Same here. Same here. It wasn't anything special for me. Yeah, it. I thought it would be way better. I was disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. So movies, we'll see what happens with them. Um, <clears throat> jumping back to video games quickly, uh, this just struck me as kind of funny and it's like, you know, whatever. Uh, but we'll talk about it for a little bit and that Sony aims to sell 7.6 million units by March. Um, as reported by Bloomberg, the Japanese company has surpassed analyst expectations and even raised its profit outlook by 13% ahead of the launch of the PlayStation 5 in November. Um, the plan includes to sell more than 7.6 million units of the PS5, which would be more than the PS4 managed in its first fiscal year um the, this plan was detailed by sony's chief financial officer uh during their quarterly earnings briefing held last week so a lot of high expectations that's a lot of units yeah no, no. Well, <clears throat> i hope this means that they're going to just be readily available on the shelf soon yep. you know get through this initial release wave restock the crap out of it get it into the hands of online retailers and the store shelves let us get our hands on it it sounds promising which is a really good position to be in because i think we're all a little bit tired and pissed off about this rollout yeah because it was an absolute disaster just a total disaster yeah for both companies yeah uh, i i don't even have a commitment yet on when i'm getting whatever because it's going to be based on when I walk into a retailer and I see one on the store shelf, like the local mom and pa shop is only getting five. Yeah. Five. Yeah. And now, you know, Best Buy are advertising Black Friday advertisements have leaked. And they're saying that they're going to have PS5s and Xbox Series S's and X's in stock for, for Black Friday sales. Now, yeah. does that mean they're getting five each store? I don't know. Yeah, who knows what that means? It's but crazy, though. Here's a funny, fun number from Sony. So apparently Sony pre-sold as many PS5s in the first 12 hours 
as the PS4 did in the first 12 weeks of its pre-order availability. So this 5.7 or 7.6 million units doesn't seem too crazy. Um, but, you know, it all comes down to, to your point, Phil, that it does come down to availability in stores. Um, you know, I think because of the shit show that was this this pre-order, um, you know, I, I, I really do think that we will see more units in store on release date and shortly thereafter leading into Black Friday and the holiday season, whatever that looks like this year. I hope so. I hope so, because it, it's honestly... You've turned a completely dedicated fan in myself. You've turned yeah. me off right now. Like I, I would really have to think about seeing that product on the shelf right now, whether or not I even want to. I know eventually I will jump in, but I question my logic and my sanity right now because of the absolute trash heap that that launch was. I, I feel like I was abused by Sony and Microsoft to a lesser degree. It's it was really deeply insulting the way that this was mismanaged, and it's not like I, I like I say I, I know I'm in it I know I'm gonna have to get it I I think most of my friends have decided because I have been toying on air with the idea that I'm going in on Microsoft first, while well, almost all of my friends that I thought were going Microsoft are actually starting to change to PS5 now, mm-hmm. so it really is a contentious thing for me of, of availability and just access. Yeah. So they better get their, their stuff in order, both companies. Yeah. And I think Microsoft, as I pointed in the past, pointed out in the past, have an absolute disaster on their hands with this series S. It's going to confuse the marketplace. It's going to confuse the developers. It's, it's just set up to be a total crap show. For consumers, for kids, for companies, for everybody, uh, yep. it's it's not good. Yeah, I know it's 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 really crazy at this point. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. I I I can't think of anything else to add there. I just hope that they are made available, that people can purchase them. Um, but I think that you know s- some very loyal Microsoft xbox people and some very loyal sony playstation people were left out in the lurch you know shit out of luck and you know people who have supported these major companies over the past seven years with their last generation and even before that um you know are kind of being screwed out of getting the new system yeah it wasn't a good pr move yeah but it, it it's it's there it's happened we have to deal with it i know once i see the ray tracing graphics which i'm so sick of hearing about now uh well here uh this week so many units got out into the wild uh two reviewers unboxing yeah um and the experience overwhelmingly is how great the controller is yeah especially when unfortunately this is one of those things people when Sony introduced the touchpad on their PlayStation 4 controller, a lot of developers were like, F that. 
not touching it, mm-hmm. not developing for it. I just want to basically make a game, be able to port it over to the Xbox or the PS5 as directly and as literally as I can. I'm not going to leverage any of the bonus touch aspects of it or anything like that. And this new haptic feedback, though, apparently looks like it's, it might not be a, a console seller, but it's definitely a perk uh, where it's like you can feel the granular uh, uh, makeup of the sand when you're walking on it in this little PlayStation demo. You can feel the water pushing against you. Mm-hmm. Like this haptic feedback sounds amazing. And I'll never forget when I was, a, you know, when I had my PS1, my PlayStation, and I put in Metal Gear Solid for the first time. And the fact that the controller rumble coincided with the blades of the helicopter yeah. was just mind-blowing. Like, my mind was blown at that point. Yeah. And the girl I was dating was a huge Nintendo fan, and she was so jealous. Like, the experience on the on the Sony was just so next level because of these different aspects yeah and i'm looking forward to feeling that way again i am kind of low-key excited Mm -hmm. about where that goes and i just hope the developers develop for it and use that as a big proponent on the games on these next gen games yeah yeah we'll see i think at start it's kind of like the ps4 right um, at the start, a lot of games did not really take advantage of the, uh, the trackpad, but as the generation went on, um, you know, with like Death Stranding and, and those types of games, you know, it was a very much feature to use, um, for their games, but yeah. And, but those are in-house developers. Yeah. So they're always, you know, I'm, I know there's a Sony executive going, you have to use the trackpad. All right, like the you have to incorporate gameplay with the trackpad, and they're not going to have a problem with it because they don't have to mess around with trying to port it or whatever. Right? It's just PC, whatever. And it, eventually, it just becomes well, that's the Xbox button. Yeah, <laughs> most games hit the trackpad and the menu comes up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it would be nice to see more developers try to leverage that kind of stuff. But heck, if you're telling me Death Stranding. Or the next version of Death Stranding from from that studio uses the haptic feedback. If you're telling me that God of War, the new one, is going to use a haptic feedback uh, and Spider-Man and all this stuff, those are great titles to use the haptic feedback. So I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy it in those. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Netflix is raising its prices again, so on Thursday, it was finally announced that the standard plan and premium plan for U.S. consumers is going to go up. I'm assuming that this will also affect Canadians. Uh, So the two-stream HD standard plan will increase from $12.99 to $13.99, while the four-stream 4K premium plan is raising from $15.99 a month to $17.99. The one stream SD plan will remain priced at $8.99 a month. Yeah, they announced that in Canada too. So it's a thing. We're going to give them more money so they can cancel more shows. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Bitter bitter me here. Yeah. I don't know. No, same here. You know, 
I'm, you know, all week I've kind of been angry at them for that, making snide I, well, remarks. But here's the thing, you know, you're going to raise prices because you say, you know, you want to, the number of original content they're producing is increasing, so they have to raise the prices. But then, you know, every other week you cancel a show and and remove it from, you know, from your production schedule and, the, you know, try justifying the price increase, right? Like, I know the overall yeah. number of projects they're making are still high, but, you know, they just can't keep an established show um, past three, two, three seasons. And I know that, and we'll, we, you know, we're going to have a much deeper discussion about this one day. Um, I just want to do a little more research, but, you know, I do know that the contracts and the pay structure is one of the many reasons why Netflix tends to cancel shows. But why don't other studios pick up these shows? And that's also a contractual reason. Um, you know, One Day at a Time uh, went from Netflix to Pop. Um, and that's be apparently because the contract structure was slightly different than other Netflix shows. So they were able to sell the show and shop the show to other networks. Um, so Pop got that, you know, C CBS. So, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But we will have this discussion um, soon about kind of Netflix and yeah. the issues with Netflix and why they cancel shows and you know I want to get to the granular you know specific reasons take a look at some of those contracts that are publicly available and kind of dissect what we can and you know have some good analysis out of that yeah and but it's to the point where as a layman consuming this in the, the current climate which we're all hyper aware of I don't want to put in on a Netflix show now because yeah. they're just going to cancel it. Yep. Like the payoff is, is so crap. You know, the only thing that seems to survive is stranger things. You know, uh, that's the only title that seems to be standing the test of time. And that one's running on a ticker because those kids are getting older. Yeah, exactly. And you're going to have to change that structure of that show or whatever. But, you know, with Away, they just canceled it, and it just came out. Why yeah. bother going back and watching it now? Exactly. Because no matter where they leave that show, it's just going to be a dead end for me. Yeah. Like, That's the issue. It's, just a, it's, it's totally cannibalizing the market again. It's the, it's the company not treating the consumer with any respect. Yeah. Like, okay, I get it. You have a lot of shows. Maybe focus on not doing so many shows. Yep. Maybe focus on quality of content and longevity. Like yeah. reward your customer for their viewing time and, and do things like, okay, we're going to film two seasons at once to manage the budget, to manage the shooting schedule, to manage the exposure to the virus, to manage all the stuff and then pace them three or four months apart so that you're rewarding your customer for watching these shows and, and getting them deeper and deeper involved in a, a better production cycle. Yeah. See, Netflix you know, is... in a better timing. Yeah, Netflix is in a bit of a pickle because, you know, when they started as a streaming service, you know, they had the pick of the crop. They could go to any studio, any network, and say, oh, we want 
XYZ shows for our streaming service. And the network's studios typically said, hell yeah. You know, because back then it wasn't even on their radar that they would have their own streaming services. But now with everyone getting their own dedicated streaming service, Netflix is being forced to create more and more original content. Um, So, you know, or they're going to have to find some strategic partners and studios to release content for. Um, But, you know, as NBC has Peacock, HBO, you know, has HBO Max and so forth and so on. Um, You know, the more people in this streaming game, Netflix kind of has to rejig their plan. So I think that's why we're seeing so many originals. But, you know, there's got to be a a better way to do this. Um, You know, people are going to just lose faith. It's what happened with cable TV, you know, before reality TV took over for, you know, the better part of a decade. Um, You know, we're just going to see people not want to give new shows a chance because, well, they're going to be canceled. So why even start watching a show? You know, like I made the The only thing that. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. The only thing that I'm using Netflix for is movies. Like, I'll watch a movie that they're getting from somewhere else, or even that they self-produce. Because a movie has a beginning and an end, all right? And my minimal investment is that hour and a half or two hours to put my eyeballs on it and watch it and think, oh, was it good or was it bad? It doesn't really push me either way. But a show of eight or ten episodes at an hour each episode is an investment. Yeah. And as a customer, I don't want to invest that time into that property. Exactly. So I would advise Netflix to maybe cut down on the shows because you're just hurting your audiences yep. and increase your movies, whether they be original content or IPs that you're picking up uh, to just recycle for a, a, a defined period of time. Yeah. Right. So put your Harry Potters on or whatever, and then they can sling over to whatever next service Warner Brother w- wants to put them on. But that to me is you know they they've betrayed the customer loyalty to that degree yeah in my books now i know i'm talking as a hurt dark crystal person so yeah no but like you know even i made that kind of joke not non-joke joke on our twitter when i posted um that assassin's creed show that's being produced by netflix um you know it's like you know, this is a perfect example is, will I invest the time in that show? Will I give that show a chance? Should I give that show a chance? Netflix, tell me why I should give that show a chance. Yeah, like the only the only shows that I think are, are worth watching on Netflix would be the shows like uh, the toys that made us. Yeah. And stuff like that, because, again, they're defined each episode. All right. There's. There's, we're going to talk about G.I. Joe. We're going to talk about Nintendo. We're going to talk about this. And it ends and I go, okay, I don't need to worry about it. Maybe there's a follow-up episode in a different season or something, potentially. But it, it's defined, right? Yeah. And I can handle shows like that. If they get canceled, I go, oh, well, it's still nostalgia porn. Yeah. It's still this, right? Like It still has a service. Yeah. But these ones, you're right, because you're getting emotionally invested. You're taking a property that has a committed fan base. You're taking that and you're exploiting that to your advantage. Mm-hmm. But then you're also exploiting the customer to the point where you're just, you know, again, going to abandon it. Yeah. Like, 
that Assassin's Creed movie should have been abandoned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was a trash heap. <laughs> yeah. I hope they do a better job than that. If they I'm do sure a better job than that, maybe Again, I'll put my eyes on TV it. show, you have the opportunity to build a proper story, proper characters. You don't have to do everything in that two hour, two and a half hour time frame. But it needs that commitment to see it through. Of course. All right. Yeah. You know that it's going to struggle on a few episodes as it self-realizes and corrects for the strengths and weaknesses of the writing and the actors and, and the direction and all that stuff. The early shows are always, if you go back to any show that's run for, let's say, oh, four or five seasons and you watch the first season, it's painful sometimes. Yeah. It's extremely painful because the characters and the actors and the, all that stuff hasn't really gelled yet. And Netflix isn't even giving them a chance to gel in a lot of cases. Yeah. Like it's just disappointing. And then when they are at their maximum gel point, look at uh, glow, look at uh, 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 Ozarks, all that yeah. stuff. Like they're hitting their stride in every capacity. And then the ax comes. Yeah. Because the update didn't take that long. But maybe a lot of the fans are pacing themselves on some of this stuff. And it is. Their eyeballs are going to these other services. Their eyeballs, like, we only have so much time to consume and work and do all the other responsible things that we have to do as adults. Yeah. So Netflix has got to chill on this, you know, and I think this is going to be a metric that comes out in our research that Netflix give a show a certain amount of time to get a certain amount of views. And if it doesn't get that, that's when the axe falls. You know, that's what I'm thinking. That's when they bring the guy in the room and just kind of like, yeah, yeah, this this is HR. Um, <laughs> yeah. He's got an axe. You're not leaving here. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. Pretty much. All right, Phil. We're, we're at about that time where you should let our listeners know how they can get a hold of us. Oh, for sure. Everyone, you got to hit our website if you want to. Just see what's happening out there on the interwebs. It's www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at It's Canon Podcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbean, really anywhere you find these types of apps. And if you like what you hear so far, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. And be sure to leave a rate and review for our shows. We really appreciate it. So this, basically, this podcast is made possible by listeners like you. So thank you for all your support. Keep on listening. Reach out to us. We're not bad guys at all. For the most part. That's right. We most. are the It's Can End Podcast. The podcast where we talk about all things, everything. And this week, we have two additional episodes coming out. So on Monday night... You can listen to our Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 1, Chapter 9 review. And on Wednesday, you'll be able to hear us again as we interview Fearless Fred, Fred Kennedy, all about all things Star Wars and Mud 79. Then on Thursday, for all you wrestling fans, you'll be able to listen to NXT Talk Talk NXT. It's the wrestling show where we talk about all things NXT. And that show is going to be on our channel on Thursday. But like I said, listen to it while you can because it may move to another channel soon. He's Phil. I'm Boris. 
Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.